this is Marjorie Bros, your hostess with the mostest because I know Jesus and he gives me everything I need and every day I learn more and I renew my mind more regarding what he has given me, what he has done for me, how much he loves me and you know it makes me want to love him back. So today I am talking about how I overcame shyness, the fear of what people thought of me and how I learned how to make friends. All throughout my growing up years, I was extremely shy. People would say, oh, she's so shy. I never say that to people anymore, knowing what it was like to be shy. It showed up mostly when I was in middle school. By the time I was in middle school, I was so quiet and withdrawn. I didn't trust myself to say anything that people would think was cool. So I just shut my mouth. I was quiet. And I remember saying something to someone in eighth grade and the whole class looked at me and said, Marjorie spoke. She talked. That's how bad it was. And really, I felt like I was living in a prison, especially as I went on into high school. I had a really good youth group, a really good youth group. And I had some friends in the youth group that were guys who were just really easy to hang out with. Um, So church was, it was like my little freedom. Home was my extreme freedom because I was myself at home, no big deal at all. And then youth group was great at church because um, especially the boys, they just gave me a re- very positive attention, not girlfriend type attention. They gave me attention, which yes, I did crave that, but it was in a very positive, clean way. And it was a really great youth group. We did all kinds of things to together. We went on choir tours. We went on bike trips. We had retreats and we had like Sunday night uglos, I think we called them. We just had a really great youth pastor, Jeff McFarland, really great music pastor, Randy DeGraw. It was awesome. It was a Nazarene church and um, it wasn't a spirit-filled church, but I'll tell you what, my mama, she was spirit-filled. She would raise her hands during those hymns (laughs) because yeah, there was, there were some core choruses we would sing back then but mostly hymns and my mom would raise her hands with tears just streaming down her face it was just beautiful and I wanted to be just like her really and I did have such a longing to know God I was really driven by a love I had for God but I'm telling you I went by my feelings in high school in my journals I wrote today I had a good day because today I had a bad day because It wasn't based on the joy of the Lord. I had received Jesus as my Savior, but I just didn't know who I was very well from the Word of God. I wasn't spirit-filled yet, which I told about in the first episode. For two years during high school, I had been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just wanted to be like my mom, as I said. I wanted to pray in tongues. I wanted to pray exactly in God's will. And I knew that this gift, this supernatural gift, would allow me to do that. And so one time my family and I, we went on a vacation and I had a whole seat to myself on the way home. The windows were down. We had no air conditioning and it was noisy. So nobody could hear me talking to God. And I just said to him, Lord, I've been wanting this for two years. Why haven't I received it yet? Because no one really knew how to lead me into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My mom didn't really know how and, well, I didn't really know anybody else. I just listened to the Holy Spirit and he said, just 
speak. And the way he said it was, these words came to my mind. I wasn't making them up. It wasn't me. It was him who lived inside of me. He said, just speak. And I knew what he meant. He meant speak this language you don't even know. And so I said, okay, ah, low, K, you know, and it was just one syllable. And then one syllable became two syllables. And and then I had a sentence and it never felt super supernatural, except for that I wasn't trying to come up with these words in my mind. They were just coming to me. And now I know they were coming out of my spirit where the Holy Spirit and I are one. You know, when I invited Jesus into my life, the Holy Spirit came in. He became one with me and Jesus and the Father, they are one God. I began to speak in a language I didn't even know. And for a whole month, I did this without telling anybody. During that month, the enemy would put these thoughts in my mind. You're just making this up. You're just making this up because it felt unsupernatural, even though I wasn't trying to figure out the words in my mind. And so at the end of it, at the end of that month, I said, devil, I am not making this up. This is a gift that God has given me. I cannot make it up. I am not that smart. And then he stopped bothering me. That was the summer before I went off to college. I went to San Diego, Point Loma Nazarene University, and I saw a big, huge difference in myself in that I still had the old way of thinking. I still had these thoughts of what are people going to think of me, but I had a brand new courage, a huge courage that I'd never had before because you know what? The baptism of the Holy Spirit did something in me. It healed me. Maybe a demon was cast out. I don't really know exactly what happened, but there was an inner healing that definitely took place. I still needed to renew my mind, but I had this new courage where I made a challenge to myself that every line I stood in, I would meet five people at the college. You had to stand in a lot of lines because computers were still new back then in the 80s. This was 83. They were slow and big and fat. There were a lot of lines we had to stand in. So I made myself meet five people. Then I got a job at the cafeteria early in the morning. And so basically I saw every face and I got to know every face and pretty much every name at the college, 2,000 people. That's a pretty big feat. I found a really good church. The, the way that I found it is I didn't have a car to get off campus. I had a bike. And when I got on my bike, it would just feel like freedom to me. So I was looking for a church that brought a bus to the campus so I can get off campus at least once a week. And um, this church called Skyline Wesleyan had a van that came and picked up a bunch of kids. So I got on that van and I started going to this church called Skyline Wesleyan in Lemon Grove, California, which is just outside of San Diego. It was 20, 30 minutes away. It felt really good to get off campus, I'm telling you. And it would have been even better if I would have found a family to take me home in the afternoon to their house and have a Sunday meal with them and then bring me back to the campus. That would have been even better. But I wasn't really good at searching these things out. I wanted them to be handed to me. Here I was having a new courage, going to a new church. And this church was wonderful. In fact, if you've heard of John Maxwell, who is now a very well-known motivational speaker. He was the pastor of this church. The collegian career pastor was named Tim Elmore. He was our main pastor. 
And then Big Church was John Maxwell. That's what we called it. Tim Elmore was such a great teacher. He is the one who taught me, the first time I've ever heard this, that the resurrection power of Jesus lives on the inside of me. That astonished me. What? Wow. And that's in the Bible? Yes, it is. And this man, he was spirit-filled, even though it wasn't in a church where he could really teach it. He was definitely spirit-filled. He was so good at seeing qualities and characteristics in us and the character of God in us and pulling those of us who are involved up into positions of leadership. And so he had made me a disciple, small group discipleship leader. It was called Flocks back then. And he had me oversee a once a month prayer time where a hundred collegians came to this prayer time and we all had our own little circle group. And then I would have one person kind of introduce a subject that we were going to praise God for or pray about. And then those groups would pray about it together. And then we'd have a another person come up and and that's how we did our prayer time. It had a cool name. I'll think of it sometime. So he was just really, really good at pulling these things out of us. And I became a little more confident. I was still, I still had a long way to go in renewing my mind and I didn't know how to make friends. So I noticed this one time I was at a meeting at Skyland Wesleyan. It was a social gathering and I noticed two college students girls talking to each other and they talked to each other the whole time and here I was I was just getting to know how to talk to people I was able to introduce myself to people I was able to ask them a few questions about themselves like what is your major where are you from but I didn't know how to get into a conversation that would last for two hours and this intrigued me and I wanted it and so I asked the Lord can you help me learn how to do that And it's so interesting because he put this idea in my mind. It definitely wasn't me. This is how God speaks. When when people say God spoke to me, it's mostly this way. You know, and that always threw me off when people say God spoke to me. What are they saying? I mean, what they're saying is he gave me an, an idea. He gave me a thought. This thought came out of nowhere or I got this thought while I was reading the word or I got this thought while somebody else was speaking to me or I, while I was listening to the radio or while I was looking at nature. This thought came to me. You know, it's it's got to come through a thought at some point. But the way God gets it there could be a variety of ways, but it's going to end up as a thought. So how did God speak to me? It was a thought came to me and the Lord said to me through these thoughts, when you get into a conversation with somebody, ask them questions, listen to their answers and ask them more questions based on their answer. You do not add anything about yourself to the conversation. So I did that and I became a very good question asker. In fact, people at the end of our conversation would say, wow, I feel like I talk the whole time and then I'd have to make them feel okay about that because I'm the one that was asking them lots of questions so I just said oh it's okay I I loved it I was just asking you a ton of questions so that's okay that that's what I wanted so he was teaching me what I thought was how to make friends And he was, he was teaching me how to make friends. But at the end, I guess I didn't actually realize this. I don't know when I realized this. Was it at the end or later? So I did this for two years, which is a very long time of not inserting your own stories or being able to let them know that you empathize because you've been through the same thing. And by the way, I'm not saying that's bad. That's actually a good thing. But the Lord was trying to teach me something. Because you see, as a shy girl, who was my mind on? Who am I thinking about when I'm quote unquote shy? 
I'm thinking about myself. Who am I thinking about when I'm worried about what other people think of me? Am I thinking about them? No, I'm really thinking about me. Here's what the Lord was doing. For those two years, he was helping me get my mind off of me and what people think about me and putting it onto the other person where my mind should be. I should be more interested about them than I am about worrying about myself and what people think of me. So I came to realize that actually shyness is self-centeredness. And self-centeredness is the source of all grief. Andrew Womack wrote a book called Self-Centeredness, The Source of All Grief. God's still teaching me how to be less self-centered, less self-centered throughout all the years by renewing my mind. But that was my biggest lesson My biggest lesson was those two years where I did not insert anything about myself, but when I got into conversations, I only asked questions to the other person and I was genuinely interested in them. It wasn't a fake interest. It was genuine. I really cared about the person. And so through these years, I remember then being married and we lived in Germany because my husband was in the army and this was in the 90s. And I remember my husband was deployed for 11 months to Bosnia. He was part of the first peacekeeping troops there after the war they had. I believe they had a civil war. And I remember getting tapes. Back then it was tapes that Andrew Womack would send out. I would get free tapes because we didn't have a lot of money. And he would ship them through the military mail service to me. And I remember getting these tapes called Self-Centeredness, The Source of All Grief. And I thought to myself, oh, this would be really good if Glenn would listen to this. So I stuck those tapes in and I'm listening as my, my kids were in bed and I'm cleaning the kitchen. And it was just jabbing me in the heart with everything he said because I still had a self-centeredness that the Lord wanted to get rid of. And I just picked up that book again recently and I started reading it again. And I can see how much I've grown, but I still have more to grow. I want self-centeredness out of my life forever because a mature Christian is not going to be self-centered. My encouragement to you is number one, It's not okay to be shy. It's not because it's fear and fear is not of the Lord. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's one of the verses I took to renew my mind. I walked all over the campus with that piece of paper in my hand because I was afraid of what people thought of me still. And I had to repeat that verse over and over and over again to get it into my soul, to change the way I think, my mind, my will, my emotions, which are part of my soul. That's what needs to be renewed. And that's how to renew it by the word of God. I just would repeat it to myself. I'd mutter it to myself. I'd think about it. I'd preach it to myself. Marjorie, you are not timid. You are not fearful because this is not something God has given you. God has given you a spirit of love, a spirit of power, a sound mind. That's what you have, Marjorie. I would preach it to myself. And I had a few other verses I used as well. And number two, Ask people questions. Get your mind off of yourself. Ask people questions. And, you know, if you're not as self-centered as I was, go ahead and insert your own story. But go right back to focusing on the other person. 
If you are a person who talks a lot, I'm telling you, people will look for excuses to not be around you. They will look for excuses to not talk to you on the phone, to not allow you to talk in the small group, to not get in a conversation with you. Why? Because you're centered on yourself. And really, as I was being healed, this self-centeredness would have flipped from not talking at all to talking too much about me. That's how it would have flipped. And that's what God was saving me from. Thankfully, I listened to him. Thankfully, I obeyed. But if you're one of those people who talk too much, you need to stop and ask the Holy Spirit how to turn that around. How do I get myself centered on the person I'm talking to and off of myself? Because that's how it should be. And number three, renew your mind in the word of God. Find a scripture like 2 Timothy 1.7 and other scriptures that talk about who you are in Christ. Like in Ephesians, there's a lot of in him, in him. This is who I am, in him. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me the spirit of timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. Those are some powerful scriptures. You know why? Because the word of God in the written form, just looking at it with ink on paper, that's not the powerful part. Powerful part is when you put it in you and it changes the way you think. There is life in the word of God. Unlike any other book, there is life in the word of God so that when you meditate on it, when you think about it, when you ponder on it, just one verse at a time, two or three verses at a time, you are changing the way you think and it breathes life into you and it brings forth a maturity that you never had before. It's something that you might want to do, but your flesh won't want to. So you just have to not go by your feelings. You have to say, flesh, you're going to submit. You're going to do this. I'm going to do this morning, afternoon, and evening for five minutes. And then all during the day when my mind doesn't have to be on the work I'm doing, I'm going to be thinking about the verse. I'm going to revert to one of these verses instead of worrying, instead of worrying about the future, worrying about what people think, worrying about the past. I'm going to revert my thinking to one of these scriptures. 